Breaker, good buddy. This is Podman. Come back. Um, ten four, Podman. This is Steve. Use your CB handle. I hate my CB handle. Use the CB handle I gave you. This is Bearded Ebert. Hey there, Bearded Ebert. I got a flicker loaded up and ready for the jabber jaw, so let's watch the Smokies and put the hammer down. Come back. I have no idea what you just said. Well, put your ears on, good buddy, because we're going to truck on down the celluloid highway. How do you say, I hate you, in CB lingo? I have no idea. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good, wouldn't you say, Steve? I would say so, yeah. It is uh, it is a well-beloved film, especially from uh, people of a certain generation. Yeah, and some people from a certain area. Ah, uh, yeah. Where <laughs> it's been described as less of a movie and more of a documentary. <laughs> It's a religious experience, really, seeing this film for the first time, if you are a native of that particular region. <laughs> so what kind of what movie did we watch? Well it's got CBs. Yeah, we right? yeah, oh, it's it's one of them C B movies. It was super popular in the nineteen seventies. Everybody wanted a CB in their car and truck and stuff. Yeah, and that that lasted for a very long time, didn't it? Well, I mean truckers are still doing truckers it. Truckers are still doing it, yeah. They're like, thank God. <laughs> We watched Smokey and the Bandit. Did we? That's what you said to watch. Oh, right, I did. Yeah, Smokey and the Bandit. It's about a Smokey and a Bandit. Spoilers. Come on. I hate when they give away the story in the title like that. And bootlegging. Yes, right? yes. Thanks to arcane liquor laws and a beer that was not pasteurized <laughs> until the 1980s, we get to have a bootleg story set in the 70s. That's right, baby. This is like Smokey and the Bandit. That super fun chase movie. Hey, Steve, do you have any any trivia for this? Uh huh. It's a uh, caper. No, it's a chase. Sort of the crime. It's thing? it's a car and beer chase action comedy. Okay, yeah, that works sure. for this car and beer chase action comedy. <laughs> A surprisingly popular genre. You wouldn't think so, but yeah. <laughs> Steve? Y- yes, yes, I do have some trivia. Tri- trivia? I do actually. Okay, so Steve went to another world. Like, he just was like, I was ah. just thinking. Like I was just trying to do the math of how many films in that genre um, star Burt Reynolds, and I think it's a pretty well, high all percentage. Of them? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty high percentage. They, you know, he, hey, Burt had to work in the seventies. Want to just do this some more? Yeah, sure. Um, he was already he was already like a super popular actor. Uh, when, oh yeah, when this movie came around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was. Yeah. This just sort of vaulted him, you know, up into the up into that Eastwood air. That's right. Yeah, um, shouldn't have turned down Han Solo. Then he would have had the two spots. Oh man, he could have been Harrison Ford. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, actually, you know what? I hate to say this, he could have. Yeah, he he could have played Han Solo. He could have. He could. Have. I don't mean he could have been cast. I mean he totally could have been Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
as we're about to hear in a few minutes when we go through the who made it's the the direct the director of this film uh, is was uh, Hal Needham who got the idea for the movie actually while he was working as the stunt coordinator and the second unit director on a Burt Reynolds movie that came out the previous year called Gator which is somewhat similar to Smokey and the Bandit um, Just only a little bit a little bit and what what Hal Needham noticed during the production of the movie was that a member of his stunt crew had brought a couple of cases of cores to their Georgia location and that pe- uh-huh. and that people kept stealing his beer and he was yeah. like why are what's the big deal like why there's beer here it's just Coors beer it's beer but, but- yeah and and then he realized that at that at that time Coors was only regionally distributed it was actually only available in 11 states and they were all western states you couldn't get Coors in the eastern united states back then so that's right so how thought wouldn't that be a great idea for a movie if people for some not reason not only that it was illegal yes that's right because because Coors uh, as I, as i mentioned uh a couple minutes ago, Coors was not pasteurized, which meant it was difficult to transport without it uh, going yeah. off on you. <laughs> and uh, so it was it, not pasteurized, and it didn't have any preservatives in it. Yeah, so it was not. I, I think it wasn't until the mid '80s that Coors was nationwide nope. available. Nope. Because Coors needed to be constantly refrigerated or it'd go bad in like a day and a half. Right. So that's why we can have a a somewhat plausible bootlegging plot in a movie well, that it's plausible for nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, it takes place in in the seventies because yeah, Coors was unavailable, and uh, Hal Needham said, "I think that's a movie." Hal Needham was also. Uh, on a lot of Burt Reynolds movies, his stunt double. Yes. Yeah, I think he was his stunt double on Gator, actually, in addition to being the yeah. stunt coordinator, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you ready to get into the who made it? What the hell's going on? Why'd you do this? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. As stated before, it was directed by Hal Needham, who also directed Cannonball Run, yep. featuring, um, you know, Burt Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> and then a non-Burt Reynolds vehicle, Megaforce. <laughs> I don't think Steve has seen Megaforce. I don't think I have yet. seen Megaforce. No, I don't I don't think I have. It's it's like G.I. Joe but gayer, I guess, is the only way I could describe it. They have flying motorcycles. Flying motorcycles. Wow. Uh-huh. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It is so ridiculously over the top. Are you sure how but... Needham directed it? Yes he did. Because that doesn't sound like a How Needham movie, I mean. It is. <laughs> It was produced by Mort Engelberg and Robert L. Levy. Screenplay by James Barrett, who um, the most notable thing he's also done is probably um, the TV series Heat of the Night. Oh, yeah, okay. Also written by Charles Scheer, who's worked a lot in the industry, and his last really notable movie was the remake of Alfie that came out in the aughts. Oh, boy. And also Alan Mandel. Now, a little thing about the screenplay. Uh, A lot of the dialogue in this movie is improvised. Like, 75% Yeah, a ton of it, yeah. (laughs) And while watching it, I was flabbergasted that it was, because it works out pretty well, doesn't it? It's not, like, jarring. It's not like people scrambling looking for lines or saying uh or whatever a lot of the comebacks are really quick and peppy yeah. and you know so yeah uh, good job screenplay guys even though they kind of just threw your script out. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying that yeah story by hal needham and robert l levy starring burt reynolds we just lost burt yes rest in peace burt yeah and i'll just have i have this to say about burt i don't know how i feel about you burt <laughs> i don't you're a good actor you're a good actor. You're handsome. You made a lot of weird decisions in your career, Bert. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know what your politics were. I don't even know if you had any, quite honestly. 
No one had anything really bad to say about you, as near as I can tell. Did any bad stories about Burt Reynolds ever come out? Uh, probably if we looked, but nothing that I can recall off the top of my head. And certainly when, when he died, there wasn't a lot of that. It was mostly, you know, yeah. Burt Reynolds' appreciation yeah. time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, bye, bye, Bert. This is our tribute to you. you. You're actually in a number of my favorite films, so I, I'm not gonna. You were great in the Longest Yard. Yeah, yeah. Deliverance. Boogie Nights. Everyone, Boogie Nights. everyone oh, keeps you know, Jesus. Everyone keeps talking about Boogie Nights. Apparently, he's just made a movie that is getting. He's getting huge amounts of praise, and I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember. Oh, the last, uh, the last superstar. Oh, I saw a trailer for. Yeah, the last movie star. Yeah, yeah. Man, the last movie star. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm, I'll probably see that. But bye, Bert. Sorry about what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, Sally Field as Carrie, or her CB handle, is Frog, right? <laughs> yep. Why is it Frog? I forget. He says something about it, but I... He wants to jump. Oh, her. that's right. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that's our Bert. Now, is this her first movie movie? I, it's not her first. I don't movie think it. No, movie. it's. I don't know if it's her first movie, movie. But I mean, yeah, she I mean, she had she done had a lot of TV f- before this. She had been the Flying Nun, and now she was. And, now she's in this and Gidget, and I think, and she did Sybil, which was which was a TV movie, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a little bit of a departure for her because it sounds like, aside from the Flying Nun, she did a bunch of serious stuff. Unless I didn't realize that the Flying Nun was some sort of gritty <laughs> <laughs> nun drama. It's a wrenching Holocaust drama. Haven't you ever seen the Flying Nun? You know what? I think uh, we'll just fold the Flying Nun into the Adventure Nuns from our Sound of Music. That would be uh, perfect. <laughs> she's their she's their reconnaissance nun because she can. I was just gonna say the same thing. She can fly overhead and, and scope the situation out, so the Adventure Nuns right. know which side to approach from. Jerry Reed as Cletus Snowman Snow. Huh, I wonder why his name's Snowman. Because he does a lot of cocaine. Hey, Jerry. Um, I actually like you a lot. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about you, but whatever movies you've been in, I think uh, uh, there's a movie called Hot Stuff that no one remembers that stars him that I watched for whatever reason obsessively when I was 12. <laughs> I have no idea. It's about a, 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 a fencing, a, a fake fencing, you know, a bunch of cops set up a, a, a shop where criminals will bring in their fenced goods. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And they're supposed to bust them. <laughs> it was not. I think Dom, De, was Dom DeLuise in it? I think it was Dom DeLuise and, and him. Anyway, Jerry Reed's a singer. You yeah. might know him as the rooster from the animated Robin Hood from uh, Disney that came out in the early 70s. Uh, anyway, he plays Don, and he also sings all the songs in here. Yeah, I can't believe One, it's not Waylon Jennings. One song that is going to be stuck in my head oh. for the rest of my goddamn life, and yeah. the other one is completely forgettable. <laughs> which one would that be, Steve? Which which song? The one that's going to be stuck in your head for the rest of your life? And the ones that's stuck in the head of the listeners, because I play it at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> would that be... Down, down, to down, down, to down, 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 down. Eastbound and... Yeah. Eastbound yeah, eastbound and down, and down yeah. <laughs> Loaded up and truck it. Down, 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 down the song you hear before you die yeah, it's, uh, it's it's the song that when they when they hired waylon jennings to do the the theme song to dukes of hazard they just said just make it like that and he, he said slowed All right. it way down got <laughs> gotcha <laughs> okay jackie gleason as sheriff buford t justice um do i need to tell anybody who jackie gleason is at this point oh my god i hope not <laughs> anyway for the youngsters jackie gleason is a famous tv actor comedian um what else did he do pool player yes yes <laughs> for you youngsters who don't know nothing about nothing 
Um, very talented man, and this is, again, another departure for him, because I don't think he's really played a character quite like this. No. No, and inhabit him so well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this uh, this character kind of took over his career for a little bit. Oh, definitely. Um, he, he he definitely had a uh, a Buford Justice phase there in the, yep, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Yep, he did. Um, Mike Henry as Junior Justice. Uh, Mike Henry was a football player. Yeah. He was a linebacker for the Rams, so they didn't give him a whole lot of heavy lifting. He also played Tarzan a few times in the 1960s. Wow, I didn't know that. Until he had to sue the production company because they were abusive. They didn't pay him enough money. He was constantly sick when they were filming in Africa, so he had, like, diarrhea, and uh, he picked up a bunch of diseases. And that time that a chimpanzee bit him so hard on the chin that he had to have stitches. Wow. Yeah. Um, he's perfect in this, by the way. I just have to say that. He's perfect. He's very, he's very perfect. funny. Yeah, he's one of the funniest parts of the movie. Pat McCormick as Big Enos Burdett. You guys will recognize Pat McCormick. He's been in everything, all TV, everywhere. He's a comedy writer. Um, you know, he's six foot seven, I think. Yeah. Six, eight, probably 400 pounds of him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how 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 big. He, I mean, he is a big, tall guy, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah, and he's one of those guys that, if, especially if you watch a lot of TV and comedy from the from thirty, forty, fifty years, yeah, he's he's in tons of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. he is. And Paul Williams as lead little Enos Burdett. Um, Paul Williams, you guys know who? Come on, come on, guys, please tell me you know who Paul Williams is. He's a songwriter from the 1970s, and he had massive hits as a songwriter with Three Day Night and The Carpenters and The Muppets. Yeah, and, and himself. And, he recorded some of himself. his own stuff, too. Yeah, That's true. He recorded some of his own stuff. He was in a Brian De Palma movie. Granted, that was Phantom of the... What was it? Phantom of the... Par- I can't I can't remember, remember, but he, yeah, he's... he's uh... He's he's been in quite a few films. Never like a huge yeah. huge star, but a very a, re, yeah. a reliable sort of supporting mm-hmm. star. Yeah. His latest acting job was in Baby Driver. He played the butcher, <laughs> and uh, I know him best. Well, I don't know him best. I knew him before this, but I appreciated the fact that he was cast as the voice of the Penguin in the Batman animated series. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. McCann McCallum as Mister B. He's another guy. Who's been fucking and everything, and he's just been. He, you, he, a lot of these guys you will recognize from other stuff. They've all usually had little parts. They're what I like to call Hollywood glue. They're oh, like yeah. in everything, and so Susan MacGyver is hot pants. Nothing. George Reynolds <laughs> as Sheriff George Branford. Nothing. Laura Lizer Summers as Little Beaver. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Michael Mann as Branford's deputy, Lamar Jackson as Sugar Bear, Ronnie Gay as Georgia Trooper, Quinnen Sheffield as Alabama Trooper, Alfie Wise as Alabama Patrolman, Pat Hustis as Tow Truck Driver, Einborg Kiljadsen as Foxy Lady. I would n- Ingeborg. That must I be guess, name. I guess, yeah, Ingeborg, yeah. In- Ingeborg Kjeldsen. <laughs> How come that wasn't her handle? <laughs> Tam Forga, buddy. This is Ingeborg. You know what? I'm going to call ben- you Foxy Lady from now on. Yeah. Ben Jones as Trucker Number One. Now, um, you would recognize Trucker Number One. He played Cooter in the Dukes of Hazard, mm-hmm. and he was a Democratic congressman. Yeah. Yep. How about that? Uh, yeah. Joe Klecko as Trucker Number Two. He's a football player. And Hank Warden is Trucker Number Three. And if you look him up, Hank Warden, W O R D E N. 
he has like a million movies yeah. in his in his bio. He's been in fucking everything. He was in Twin Peaks for the love of God. So he's been yeah he got around. <laughs> cinematography by Bobby Byrne, um, who also did cinematography for Sixteen Candles and Bull Durham. Edited by Walter Heinemann and Angelo Ross, both of whom were nominated for an Academy Award for Best Editing that year, but lost to George Lucas's wife, Marcia, for Star Wars. And boy, did they deserve it. Yeah. They, yeah, they saved that fucking movie. <laughs> Production company, Rast Star, distributed by Universal Pictures, release date May 19th, 1977. Um... Despite the fact that this uh, closed the year at number two in the box office, it was a sleeper. It was considered a sleeper hit because when it first went out, people were like, "Oh, this is goober trucker stuff. We don't. We're not going to go see it." So then they opened it wide in the south, and then critics were giving it fairly good reviews, with the exception of one. And then, <laughs> and then it went wide, and then it just became this kind of phenomenon, and kind of also inspired this kind of movie for the rest of the 70s. This chase car comedy yeah. kind of movie didn't really die out until I would say 19... After Cannonball Run. By by the time Cannonball Run 2 came out, yeah. it was dead. Yeah. So. I think Cannonball Run was the point where people were like, alright, you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Running time, 96 minutes. Thank you, movie. <laughs> Budget, $4.3 million. It was originally $5.3 million, but the producers went, no, and they took a million away. Um, Burt Reynolds' um, a fee for doing this movie was a million, which meant that they only had, you know, $3.3 million to finish up the movie and do all the rest of the stuff and the stunts and the driving. And, you know, they had to get the cars, you know, they had to get the, 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 the whatever, the fire, what was the firebird? I can't remember. They get the Trans Ams, you know, they give them four of them, and they weren't even actually, they, those cars weren't out. And also this movie was the reason why so many people bought this car. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. People, if you if you were, uh, even my age, and I, I wasn't, you know, aware of things until in the mid-80s, really, but even then, like, these Trans Ams were everywhere, with the, the eagle painted on the hood, and oh, yeah, yeah. T-top Trans Ams were hugely popular as a result of this movie. Mm-hmm. Box office? 300 million. <laughs> so yeah. I guess it made its money back. And then they made a Smokey and the Bandit 2 that I never saw, and a Smokey and the Bandit 3, which is apparently an embarrassing mess, where Burt Reynolds isn't even in it at that point. Just think how bad <laughs> it had to be for Burt Reynolds to say no. Yeah, he's kind of like, no. Nah, I think, no, nah, it's okay. okay. <laughs> I don't need to do that. <laughs> All right, Steve, you get in the big rig. Okay. Okay, I'm going to be your blocker. Oh, boy. We're going to get in this transit, because you don't like cars, really. Well, I mean, so, therefore, I must like trucks. Yeah, you got to get in the truck and drive around with your Oh, pet. you know that what? I, yeah, because I'll get, to, I'll get to run over some motorcycles about halfway through, so I'm down for that. <laughs> and, and let's put on, I'm going to put a cowboy hat, you put this baseball cap on, we gotta got to go it. get some beer, we got trans. We got to go all the way to Texarkana and back. Just like the song says. <laughs> just listen to the song. It pretty much lays it just all listen out. To this. Guys, if you don't want to watch the movie, just listen to the song. It pretty much lays out everything. <laughs> and let's burn rubber into the world of Smokey and the Bandit. Steve, yeah. take it away. Okay, so you know like the uh, the first shots of the Enterprise in Star Trek The Motion Picture? Well, oh, yeah. well, the first scenes of this movie are like that, but with a truck. 
and shorter and shorter yes and not not like 45 minutes bearable. long they're bearable <laughs> yeah it's we get hey look it's a truck driving around how about that aren't trucks cool yeah um yeah so that's where we get the credits and uh mm. and then the truck gets pulled over it's a cold open yeah too. yeah that's right yeah First name we see on screen is Burt Reynolds because you know who's in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. rest. And we also get a song about the main character. Yeah, yeah, the legend. The legend yeah. of Bandit. So yeah. we know that we're in for we're going to meet this legendary character, and boy, he, he's. I, and by the end of the movie, we're still not going to know what he did before the the events of this. Film. <laughs> I know. So was he a truck driver or what? <laughs> what did he? <laughs> what did he do? What was his job? What did these two characters do when Coors was available all over the country? <laughs> I guess they run drugs find, now. Find another regional beer. <laughs> I need someone to transport my cocaine across <laughs> America. Uh, yes. <laughs> so we get big rigs. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we see this one trucker get busted. Right. And it turns out he, he, did, a, he did a big no-no because he was trying to transport Coors beer east of yeah. the Mississippi, and you just can't do that. Yeah, they open it up, and it's Coors, and he's like, you can't do it. And he's like, but these two good old boys put me up to it. And he's like, you stupid idiots. They've been hiring every trucker all over the place to run this, you dumb fuck. Right. And they beat the shit out of him and drink the beer. <laughs> and then they pee on it. Spoils of victory, fellas. <laughs> now, I, I'm going to say this right now. This is probably the only movie where I am going to cut the movie slack for its product placement. Because if it wasn't Coors, there was no movie. <laughs> right. I mean, I, yeah, I, I suppose they could have just made up a fictional brand with the same deal as Coors. But the yeah. fact that Coors was a real brand and that was actually the case in terms of and the law. And people were paying upwards to four to five times the price for smuggled Coors beer that was being brought yeah. into the South and to other areas. I mean, it wasn't just the South. It was, uh, yeah, all over the East, yeah. Gerald Ford smuggled Coors beer back to the White House for him to drink. I knew we should have impeached that fucker, too. <laughs> the lawlessness, the reckless lawlessness of presidents yeah, in the that, 70s. That poor old dumb melon head sitting in the White House drinking beer. I wa- God, I wish we had it back right now. I want my Coors. Oh. God, that would be nice to have just a plain, simple man drinking a Coors beer in the White House. Just calmly sitting there, not bothering anyone. (laughs) Just out of the way. Seems a little out of it, but in a pleasant way. Doesn't want to hurt anyone. (laughs) Slightly buzz, but that kind of buzz that makes him mellow and nice. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, um... So then we cut to a what is it called? Oh, I fr- it, a gear gear grinder, a yeah gear thing, a truck race. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's yeah, exactly. It's like kind of like a, like a tractor pull gearbox. Yeah, gearbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah gearboxing. Yeah, that, that, I think that's also yeah. like a nickname for truckers that you hear a couple times in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not like foxy boxing. It's it's when trucks, I guess, fight by <laughs> racing each other. Yeah, it's like a drag race with gigantic trucks. This movie would be a lot different if Bandit was a legend for Foxy Boxing. <laughs> anyway, so we meet um, we meet these two guys, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's the big big guy and the little guy. I can't remember. Burdett. Yeah, Big Enus and Little Enus. Yeah. yeah. Now the thing that we neglected to mention about. Paul Williams was his stature, which was not sizable. No. He, he's, he's quite short. Yes. And they made, they cast his father 
as someone who is six foot seven. So you can imagine the comical juxtaposition. It was quite funny. It was quite a humorous. Anyway, yeah. I don't think they have a terribly healthy father son relationship. Doesn't seem like it. They seem, they seem very competitive. They make bets with each other. But they dress exactly the same, and they seem to go everywhere together. Yeah, it seems kind of like a lot of codependency. Very a lot, very, a lot of resentment lot, passing a, back and forth. Fairly certain that this is where Mike Myers stole the mini me concept from. <laughs> anyway, they're there because these are the guys who keep trying to get truckers to deliver Coors beer into into Georgia. Right, right, right. and they've and they've and come they're because to, they're they're looking for the legendary bandit to offer him the yeah. deal. Oh, it's gear jamming. That's it, gear jamming, not gear boxing, gear, gear jamming. jamming. Yeah, yeah. The next Olympic event, gear jamming. Oh, please. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't try to get it in there when they had the Olympics in Georgia. America has once more, once again, submitted gear jamming as a new Olympic event. Uh, look, we eliminated baseball as punishment last time they tried this shit. Because <laughs> there were only four countries that were playing. And <laughs> um, just they felt so bad for the fourth country that didn't get a medal that you know they just said, you know what, this isn't worth it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, they're there to give the, make the same offer to Bandit. Yeah. Right? Yes. And he he's just, you know, all by himself with signs around him saying meet the legend and all this other stuff and we're like, What is he a legend of? What is why is he why is he a legend? You're never gonna find out. <laughs> he's you're, a you'll legend. Never find out. Okay, he just is. He just is. That no one no one seems to be paying attention to at the moment. And they're like, Hey, run beer for us and he's like, Why? Because it'll be a challenge and Bandit can't say no to a challenge. <laughs> And they're like, you're going to go to Texarkana, and you're going to bring back Coors Beer. And if you do that, we'll pay you $80,000, right? Right, and you have to get there and back in 28 hours. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so he goes, okay. And so then he drives his big rig, which has a picture of a of a bandit robbing a stagecoach on the side, because they don't believe in subtle. <laughs> He drives his big rig over to Snowman's house, and he meets his wife and his kids. Each one of them has a tire swing, as near as I can tell. <laughs> I mean, it was the guy. '70s. What else were they supposed to do? Yeah, that's true. There wasn't like there. We this was before we started advertising directly at children, so they just you had to fucking go out and play in the dirt. Yeah, exactly. Just go outside. That's what parents used to say. Just go outside. Yeah, just go outside. Don't let me, me see you home. until there's food on the table tonight. <laughs> you better disappear. But then he gets Snowman, and Snowman's like, oh, I forgot, the Burdettes gave him money, too. Yeah, because he, he told him he needs to get a car to block for the truck, and he and he, he needs to buy all the beer they want, because that hasn't been arranged, really, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they give him money, and then he gets Snowman, and Snowman's like, I'm not, I'm out, I retired. And he's like, no, <laughs> it's for $80,000, and he's like, okay. <laughs> and then he, he shows him that he bought a Trans Am, and Snowman brings his dog Fred, and I guess they're doing it, despite the fact that his wife doesn't want him to do it, right? Right, exactly. Because, you know, who listens to their wife? Yeah. <laughs> Shut yeah. up. You stay here alone with our 20 kids. <laughs> <laughs> so now, they're, I guess they're doing it now, yeah. right? They're driving, and they're not breaking the law at all. He's got an empty truck, and he's just driving to Texarkana. Exactly. But for some reason, Bandit has got to ditch some Smokies. Yeah, well, I, I think yeah, doesn't. He, oh, you know what it is? They're speeding. Yeah, yeah, they're going they're like because they have. It's like nine hundred miles or something to uh, Texarkana. So if they want to get there and back in a little over a day, they have to floor it like both they ways. They have to do it like twenty eight hours. Yeah. right? they have twenty eight hours. To yeah, do it. yeah. So and Bandit gets caught speeding, and he has to lose the he has to yeah. lose the Smoky. 
Yeah, and they set the countdown clock, and we never forget it, right? Exactly. Steve? It's it, it a fig- constant form of tension. <laughs> it figures in so heavily to the story. <laughs> so he picks up some Smokies, and then he ditches the Smokies, and then he breaks the fourth wall yeah. by smiling directly at the audience. <laughs> hey, folks, it's me, Bert. You like me? I look good driving. Hey, hang with me for the next hour and 20 minutes or so, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, then they get to Texarkana, and the place that they're supposed to buy the beer is closed, so they just break in. <laughs> they commit robbery? They steal the beer. <laughs> they're supposed to leave a note, but I guess no man is fairly illiterate and gives up. He, and just <laughs> He gives up when he, he realizes he can't spell Burdette, so he yeah. says, to hell with it, I'll just commit uh, a, a, an act of grand theft. Yeah, exactly. And steal these 40 or 400 cases of beer. Yeah. So now they're on their way back, and it's like, oh, this is going to be easy. Yeah, wow, they're, right? they're already on their way back. We're not even That's right. half half an hour into this yet. Yeah, Bandits run a block, and uh-oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a bride in the road. Yeah, don't you hate that? They're not, and not, there wasn't even a sign. There wasn't even like a bride crossing sign. No, usually they have those up. Yeah. And... She he stops and she jumps into the car and it says where he does she even ask where he's going? No. I don't think so. She she says she just says drive. Yeah. Right? yeah. And he's picked up a stray style field. <laughs> which is interesting. It's... And then she takes she changes her clothes in the car and throws her wedding dress out of the car window and we have some character moments between the two of them where we get to know kind of who they are and um, also when they left because her car broke down right as soon as he leaves punks descend from out of the forest <laughs> to strip the car yes. immediately like almost instantaneous wild forest chop shoppers <laughs> just roaming the countryside but as they're working on the car what happens oh Steve? they get set on by the police by the police who's that that, that would be Sheriff Buford T. Justice <laughs> And he's a piece of work, isn't oh, he? Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. And of course, his his uh, his beloved son, his de- beloved lunkhead, his beloved lunkhead son, Junior, his beloved gentle, quiet spoken son, yes, who 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 absorbs endless amounts of withering abuse for our <laughs> entertainment for the rest of the film, <laughs> including one insult that I shouldn't laugh at, but I still find funny, which is there's no way. <laughs> You came out of my loins. When I get home, I'm going to punch your mama in the mouth. Daddy, that's a hell of a thing to say. <laughs> he never says No, he that. says nothing. Well, he tries to say stuff, and he keeps getting he keeps being told to shut the yeah. fuck up. Anyway, so he's like every nightmare you've ever had about being pulled over by somebody. Yeah. He knees one kid in the groin kicks another one in the ass and it turns out that the bride was going to get married to junior right and she left she fled yeah and now sheriff justice is upset not only because his son was abandoned at the altar but also because he laid out forty dollars for the wedding which yeah, is his line that, that got a, a little chuckle 40 whole of dollars for the wedding yeah. and he boy Boy, does Buford have issues, oh. doesn't he? It just comes right out. He's got so many fucking issues. He's <laughs> like running down the aisle with her, what did with he her knockers with ha- flopping around or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's just a big bag of psychological problems. Oh yes, 
and you can't stop watching him. That's the problem. You're like, he's he's over the top and extreme, but also kind of grounded and realistic. I don't know where where to go with this character. <laughs> he's a joke, but he's like a joke you could meet in real life. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so he's going after her, right? Right. Yeah, and the the guy, the, the kids that he catches uh, jacking up the car tell him that she got into a car. She got into a black Trans Am yeah. and drove away, so now he knows what mm-hmm. he's after. Yeah, and uh, Junior doesn't seem terribly broken up about the fact that he was left at the altar. I don't think he's smart enough to be upset. I don't know if Junior no. even knew what was going on. Yeah. But, oh boy, Steve, we're only going to get a few of these in this movie, but now we have a car chase. Oh, yeah, you savor them, because they're mm-hmm. so rare. Yeah. Anyway, they get chased by a cop car, and then the cop goes into a lake. Yes. That's pretty much it, yeah. (laughs) And then they're driving along. They're getting to know each other a little bit better. And, oh, shit, these two have chemistry somehow. How, how, Steve? How did that happen? Oh, they were dating in real life? Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And while they're driving along, do for T-Justice calls. Yeah. On the CB. And, uh uh-oh, he's he's right behind her. uh, Right, them, both of them. And um, that's when they give... I, I must have passed out, because then it jumps to her getting a handle. Then they decide that her handle is frog. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, while they're chasing him, Buford G. Jessica gets on the CB, and he tells all the cops around that he's the only one that wants to nail the bandit. And he's talking to one of the most well-spoken Arkansas sheriffs ever. <laughs> that has another one of my favorite exchanges in this movie. Where the sheriff goes, I don't see how that's germane to this situation. <laughs> yes. And he's like, what the fuck, what the shit did Germans have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, they're in Arkansas now. And so they set up an Arkansas roadblock, but um, Bandit gets warned by a trucker. Right. Yeah, the truckers know that Bandit's coming through, so they're kind of giving him a little heads up on the CB as he as he passes right. through. Yeah. Because every, apparently everybody knows Bandit. He's a legend. Yeah, he's a legend. And, uh, oh, Steve. Yeah. Uh, another car chase. Oh, yay. <laughs> and they and they drive around and drive around and have banter and they drive around and then uh, Bandit jumps a bridge that's out. Yeah. And then the cop cars chasing him go into the river. Wah, wah, wah. And then uh, the... <laughs> the last cup car doesn't go into the river. It's just kind of hanging off the edge. And then Buford T. Justice shows up and pushes it into the river. And then he gets out and he starts yelling at what turns out to be the... The sheriff. <laughs> the, yeah. the sheriff, who is uh, a very tall, well-spoken black man. And he calls him boy. Yeah. <laughs> And you get to find out just how fucking racist yeah. he is. Yeah, because after the sheriff says, actually, I'm the sheriff, that's when Buford T. Justice says, oh, oh, uh, it's... You sound you taller just sound, on the Yeah, scene. you just sound taller on the radio. Uh, so, after that chase, they decide to go have lunch at the Choke and Puke. Yeah, which is apparently and a generic... It's all That's like a generic term for a truck stop. Truck yeah, call, a truck yeah, handle, yeah. Like, yeah. A Choke yeah. and Puke, right. And um, that's when... Uh, Sally Field and uh, Bandit are going to say goodbye, and she said goodbye, and he said goodbye. Right. right. And then um, Bandit orders two cheeseburgers and an iced tea, and it's only a dollar fifty. Ah, uh, the seventies. Jesus Christ! Because <laughs> <laughs> he's getting the cheeseburgers for Fred, because apparently Fred's very hungry. Right. Um, but then the sheriff comes in. Yeah. 
and he's in a hurry. And he run, he's in a hurry, and he orders a Diablo sandwich and a Dr. Pepper, and he eats it like... <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought Jackie Gleason was about to die. <laughs> this is probably one of the best acting performances I've ever seen anyone do that conveys character with someone choking down a sandwich. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's like, give me a Diablo burger, make a snap, I'm in a hurry. And he's like choking. He has to pound his chest a couple of times. <laughs> he doesn't realize that the man he's chasing is right next yeah, to right, him. Yeah, right, because he, he doesn't a, know what Bandit looks like. So, yeah. yeah. And they have, a, they have a little exchange, and then Bandit pays for his food. And then he has to go take a squirt. <laughs> I mean, the sheriff yeah. does. And the instant he leaves, Bandit jumps up and runs out of the, <laughs> out of the diner. And he sees what, Steve? Uh, his car is driving away with the frog behind the wheel. Holy shit! <laughs> and he says, hey, I what? thought you were leaving. And she's like, the sheriff is here. Sheriff Justice is here. And yeah. that's when he figures out, oh, she's running from him. No, he doesn't. That's never brought... He keeps asking oh, that's her, right. and she keeps saying she has no idea. Yeah. She said, I saw Buford here, and I thought you'd need to get out of here in a hurry, so I started the car, and now we're going to go, right? I, yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. And then they go. Because they keep bringing it up, and she keeps leading him on. She doesn't admit it until a lot yeah. later. Thankfully, it's not like a thing in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, when she reveals it, it doesn't put up a barrier between the two of right, them being together. Right, It's not like bandits. Like any like, other hack I, fucking movie would have done. I can't believe you didn't tell me the truth. <laughs> Um, so, now Frog's driving the car. Yeah. And guess, and guess what, Steve? What? I don't know, a car chase. Oh, okay. And Sheriff Buford, Sheriff Buford, <laughs> like, oh, God. Sheriff Buford's driving around, chasing up, chasing up, and then there's, like, this, uh, t- truck thing a- across the streets. Yeah. And Frog avoids it, but Buford does No, he... And... <laughs> he makes himself a convertible. They, he makes himself a convertible... <laughs> And and the car is taken off, but they're still being chased. Uh, chased, and and then um, we see uh, this is one of the weirdest things in the world. We cut to two guys sitting in a hearse. Yeah, and one of the guys goes, "That's the way that I would like to go." <laughs> and then, <laughs> and I only wanted to know is what the fuck were they talking about right before the, yeah. they entered this movie? Anyway, it turns out they've got a CB. Naturally, how can you have and, a hearse without a CB? Exactly, and they're driving the hearse for a funeral procession. And they're like, "Don't worry, Bandit, come this way, and we'll slow that Buford down." Right? Yeah, and he's like, "Okay." And several, and that's what they do. They go in, and then the hearse is, the hearse leads the car procession out, and you know, Buford T. Darsis has to stop the car and put his hat over his <laughs> heart. <laughs> And uh, but then that stops, and he's back on their tail. And there are several times where they've tried to switch driving positions, and it doesn't work because that car is too small, and so she's stuck driving the car. Right. right. And then they chase him, and they chase him, and then she hits a conveniently disguised ramp that looks like bushes, <laughs> and now they drive through a football game. Yeah. <laughs> she nearly kills several children. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you hear you hear Bandit going, "Look out for the kids! Look out for the kids!" <laughs> Then they drive through a billboard and out the other side, and um, Buford T. Justice doesn't do the jump. He just stops. He sees it blocked. And another great bit between the two of them. It's a football game, Daddy. Yeah. (laughs) Can we watch it? (laughs) He likes football. He's a nice boy. I know he likes likes football. football. (sighs) 
and then they meet up. They finally okay, so they finally hook back right. up, right? Yeah, with with uh, snowman. snowman, and they pull over and they feed Fred. Snowman has a little problems with her being, you know, in tow, but you know, whatever. You don't matter, Snowman. Just fucking drive the truck. Yeah, it's not Snowman and uh, Smokey and the Snowman. Okay. Yeah. It's not called Snowman and the Bandit. Yeah. It's not Smokey and the Snowman until Smokey and the Bandit 3, and then we all know how that turns That's out. That's right. The sad, sad third <laughs> installment of the series. Guess what, Jerry? You're the lead. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. So uh, then they stop and get gas, yeah. and they're getting gas, and she's going to the bathroom, and then uh, Buford calls the Bandit again on the CB, and he's like, I'm going to hang you, and I'm going to do that, because he asks him, why are you chasing him, and he doesn't actually tell him, right? right? His Bandit doesn't even know why why the guy's chasing no. him. No, no. And for some reason, Sally Field isn't telling him either, and then they take off, and it turns out they were <gasps> in the same place! Oh, how unforeseen. And, so Buford just slams the gas on, runs over another car, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and gets stuck on top of a Cadillac. Um, and so Justice puts out an APB, and he's like, "Hey, I got this car, and you guys getting to set up roadblocks and all this other stuff." Right? Yeah, and oh, oh, Steve, another car chase. <laughs> I can't believe it. That's right, but this time, they drive down a river. Yeah. And for some reason, the Trans Am doesn't drown <laughs> like it should, but the cop car does. Yes. That's weird. So they get up to a point where there had been a lot of mayhem where he went down into the river and there's a bunch of cop cars that need tows and all this other stuff. And Buford gets out and he wants to talk to the the tow truck driver. And then, for no discernible reason, a Japanese truck driver... Yelling bonsai yeah. and laughing his ass off. <laughs> takes off Buford's car door. Yep. Which sends him into an epic rage <laughs> that has not been rivaled in movies since. <laughs> he, he, he tells Junior to pick up the door and put it in the back of the car because that is evidence. <laughs> The shot of Junior sitting in the front seat with the car door in front of him. Yeah. Put the evidence in the back. (laughs) (sighs) So, um, what happens? Oh, uh, then a grandma warns Bandit that the cops are about. Yeah. Because she's got a CB, and she's been in a car accident, but she's still warning Bandit because she's a good lady. That's right. And she's a poor driver. They're all fucking, they're all fucking criminals. Yeah. And they all stick together. So Bannett and Frog take a break from driving to, you know, fuck. Take a, take a nice walk in the park. <laughs> they take a nice walk. There's a lot of heavy flirting going yeah. on. He says he only takes his hat off for one thing. And I never found out what that thing was. No, they Steve. never, they never, they never tell it. us. There's no sex scene, no. so I can't, I don't know what it is. I mean, is, are we just supposed right? to infer... How dare they make us infer That's, things? We need to be shown I need everything. To, I can't. I can't create my own closure. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, while they're fucking, Snowman uh, stops into another choke and puke, meets a couple of friends, <laughs> and that that place is full of bikers. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then the bikers got Fred. Yeah. And nothing makes me more nervous or angry than when people start threatening a dog. Oh boy! Yeah. 
And they're like, your dog bit me. And he's like, he didn't bite you. And he's like, we should cook him and roast him. And I'm like, don't do anything to that dog, please. <laughs> don't you hurt that dog. <laughs> don't I, you can kill everybody else in the movie, but don't hurt that fucking dog. Take Jerry Reed. Don't take the dog. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, a fight yep. ensues. They kick his they ass. They do. They dump him back outside. The owner comes up and says, hey, I'm sorry. Jerry Reed gives him a hug and says, it's no big deal. It's all right. Fred's fine. Yeah. They put Fred in there. He climbs in, and then Jerry Reed runs over all of their motorcycles. <laughs> Earning my respect and love for the rest of his life. <laughs> God bless you, Jerry Reed. You're doing the Lord's work. <sighs> Meanwhile, Buford runs afoul of the law. And a cop tries to, you know, put him in his place, which is a real bad idea. <laughs> because then he... Because he keeps telling the police officer to stop using foul language. Stop using foul language in front, in of, my front of my son. In front of my son, yeah. <laughs> who is a grown-ass man, by the way. <laughs> so then he shouts down the cop. The cop becomes so intimidated that um, he says, I'm so sorry, sir, anything I didn't realize, blah, 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 blah. And there is a great punchline in this. That unfortunately, due to the MPAA at the time, they could not leave in. Because if you had a single one of these, just one, you were rated R. Yeah. Just one, and you're rated R. What what word is that, Steve? That's that, that, that nasty old F word, fuck. Yeah. The punchline to that whole thing was, go fuck yourself. <laughs> No, no, go fuck off, is yeah. what he says, right, at the end of it. He says, I truly apologize for all of the profanity. And he said, that's much appreciated, son. Now fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but they did, a, they did a clever thing, right? They masked, instead of cutting the whole bit, they masked the curse with a, a air horn blast. Right. So at least the bit stayed in, right? Actually, it may, kind of makes it a little bit funnier. It, yeah, it, it still works, yeah. Yeah, it still yeah. works. Um, now, then Bandit gets saved, gets help from some prostitutes who are like, we've taken care of all them Smokies, Bandit, by, by fucking them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, thank you. And uh oh, Buford heard that conversation. Yeah. Um, and they, they mentioned like the, uh, you know, the, the location of their little yeah, trailer. Cause and, she wants, she wants Bandit to come visit. Yeah. Ingeborg's like, come on, that's not actually. Her. She's a foxy lady, but Ingeborg's yeah. like, why don't you come by and visit? He's like, okay, tell me where you're at. And Buford hears that and he's like, oh, I got him now, right? Yeah. And then, and then, guess what, Steve? Another car chase. Oh no! How who could have foreseen such a happening? And there's a bunch of driving and driving, but then they're saved by a convoy. Yeah, a great big one. If you weren't alive in the '70s, a convoy is when a bunch of trucks would line up and drive one behind the other right. along the freeway. You know why they do that, Steve? Because they really like each other. That's right, because truck are, drivers don't know anything about their job or how to be more efficient. Trucks, on, are, trucks, trucks are social creatures, and they, they like to, to move in packs, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> like wolves. Okay, have you ever heard of drafting? Oh, sure, that thing. Yeah, so if... Because these trucks push so much air out of the way, it takes a lot of fuel to move them down the highway. Right. And so you can save on gas if they all line up, because now not all of them are breaking the air in front of them. And so they're drafting behind each other. They save on gas, which in turn saves them money, because a lot of truck drivers are independent contractors, usually. They own their rig, but not the freight, right? Right. Oh, yeah, right. So any of their expenses come out of their pocket. So any time that truck drivers can help each other out and form a convoy so that they can, you know, save a little money on gas, 
and actually help their engines out a little bit. That's what they do because they're nice people and they help each other. They're not all crazy people who kill drifters. <laughs> not all of them. None of the ones in this movie. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. So the convoy saves them, right? And they're all yeah. like, go, Bandit, go! Right? And that, <laughs> that's great. And then Buford shows up at the prostitute place and arrests the wrong guy. Oh, and no. turns out he's the captain of the police department. And then he tells him, if you're going to be in a place like that, where they had to bleep out this line, too. Because remember, a lot of this stuff was improv <laughs> And when you're improv your lines... And especially and Jack- when Jackie Gleason's a little drunk. <laughs> and and completely in character. Yes. <laughs> he says, if you're going to be in a place like this, wear a badge on your dick. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't say that, though. No. He says, wear a badge on your uh, something. On your, on, your, on your dighty, I think he says. Yeah, yeah. on your dighty. Yeah. Which is a bad dub, because we can see his mouth form the yeah. word dick. That's not what he said. It's not. Uh-oh. <laughs> Bike cops. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they pull over uh, Snowman. Yeah. No, one of yeah. them pulls over Snowman, yeah. One of them pulls over Snowman, and this is the jig is up. He's asked for his manifest, which is all the stuff that's in the thing. Uh-oh. And while he's looking for it, Bandit showed, pulls up, and they and Frog flips him off. And this, this causes the cop to be so angry that he dumps what he's doing and goes chasing after Bandit. Yeah. And, and guess what, Steve? What? A car chase. Oh, wow. And Bandit loses them, and then he picks up more cops, and more cops, and he picks up even more cops, and <laughs> and fans. There are now people on the side of the road with Bandit signs. Yeah. Hey, Bandit! And he needs help, so then he gets help. He calls to a local choke and puke, and all the people there decide, yeah, we're going to clog up the roads for Bandit. <laughs> and that gets some of the cops out of the way, but oh no, Steve! Air pigs! <gasps> Helicopters! Bacon with wings. Oh, no. <laughs> Never thought I'd see the day. And every cop in Georgia seems to be on them. Yeah. They drive past the Blues Brothers, who's got every cop in Illinois after them. What was the thing about having every cop in the world chasing you? <laughs> um, and then, with the helicopters and all the cops and everything else, Bandit wants to give up. It certainly seems that way. He's like... You know, look, we 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 did our best, but there's no way out of this. I I I'm I'm saying we quit. But then who who sh- who decides to save the day? Why none other than Snowman. He, that's right. He says we didn't come all this way to give up now. That's right. I have nothing. I have nothing except a dog and a wife I can't stand. <laughs> I need the money, Bandit. <laughs> 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 I'm not giving up. So he plows forward, right? Yeah. And they're taking this to another gear jamming event or yeah. something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Because that's where they're delivering the beer for the Burdettes, and there's like 15 people in the stands already drunk. They're like, yeah, Brandon! <laughs> Come on, Brandon! Brandon. <laughs> and so Snowman plows through some cop cars, busts <laughs> through the gates, and they... St- and boy, that, that truck is booking. Yeah. That truck is booking. And... They finally pull up to the Burdettes, and they're like, "Here, here's your thing. And, and they're like, great, here's your money. And little Burdette is like, how would you like to go double or nothing? And they're like, what? You know, just in case there's a sequel. <laughs> yeah, just in case there's a sequel, which doesn't follow the events of this. No, just, just uh, we don't pick it up, but you know. 
we have they're going to make a bet on whether or not he can go all the way up to Boston to get clam chowder for him and his daddy and bring it back in how how long did they go? <laughs> 18 hours. In 18 hours. So <laughs> Which is driving, ridiculous. They're driving, they're driving from Georgia. <laughs> I don't know if you could make it there in 18 hours, yeah. let alone there and back. Because both Snowman and and Bandit, they d- abandoned their car right. and the rig. And they say, hey, can we take your car, which is this great big old red Cadillac. And they all jump in it and they say, you're on, double or nothing. And they take off, right? Right. And then as they're leaving, uh, Buford T. Justice's car kind of slides out. <laughs> and he's driving away and they see him there. And Bandit turns around and says, hey, and if you're looking for the Bandit, he's down there and he's like six foot seven. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's talking to him on the CB. Right. Isn't he? Yeah. I'm six foot seven and blah blah blah, and then he thinks better of it. He says, "No, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, that's not me." And he's like, "I, you know, you're. I've been chased by a lot of Smokies, but I gotta say you're the best." And then he says, "Well, I've been chasing a lot of some bitches, and you're, you're, you're the best." And does he say now that we're done jerking each other off? I can't remember what he says. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he he says, "Where are you?" And he says, "Look to your left." And he looks to your left, and he sees that it's the guy from the diner and <laughs> and the uh, uh Sally Fields is there and then they take off right right now his unless we haven't made it clear he's been driving Buford T Justice has been driving the same damn patrol car since Texas yeah. and it is smashed to shit <laughs> it lacks doors on both sides at this point <laughs> there's no roof no roof yeah and um he just he just floors it, right? And yeah. takes off after him. And Junior starts running after the car, saying, wait for me, Daddy. <laughs> or something. Yeah, he says, wait for me. Who else is going to hold your hat? Who else? Goes? That's right, because when they lose the when they lose the roof of the car, he makes Junior hold his hat on while he's driving. And then the movie just fucking ends. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Immediate freeze frame after that line and go right into eastbound and down. Yep, yep. Movie is over. End of movie. No lingering driving off into the sunset. Just womp. Just that's right? it. Get out. Yeah, get out. We, Hope you had fun. We got to re-rack this for the next show and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, what a ride, Steve. <laughs> uh, Steve, uh-huh. how do you feel about this beer car, uh, beer car adventure comedy, Smokey and the Bandit? Do you ever have the thought, you know, I just don't understand my parents' generation? Sure. <laughs> I kind of had that thought when I was watching this movie. Um, <laughs> I Because this, I mean, look, I, I'm, it's, it's a very likable movie. There are a lot, there's a lot in it to recommend it. But when I yeah. watched this movie to prepare for this, the first thought I had when it was, when it was over, and it, this was the first time I had watched it straight through from beginning to end for a long time. Um, and I thought, you know, I like I I get why people like the movie, mm-hmm. but as as you said at the beginning, this was the number two movie of the year. This was behind only Star Wars in 1977 at the domestic oh, yeah. box office. It was a huge hit, and mm-hmm. and a hit all over the country, not just in the South, although it was a particularly huge hit in the South. And I, a part of me wonders, like, but what, like, what was it about this movie? Because Burt Reynolds was obviously a star. Mm-hmm. And is very charming. I mean, if you look at the top ten, this is the top ten for 1977. You ready? Yes. Let's yeah. Let's hear it. Star Wars. Yes. Smokey and the Bandit. 
Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yeah. Saturday Night Fever. There you go. The Goodbye Girl. Mm, yeah. A Bridge Too Far. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> the Deep Garbage. Oh, yeah. Just because Peter Benchley was hot from Jaws. Right. That was a Peter Benchley. What else has he got? Who, yeah, the Spy Who Loved Me. Okay. Oh, God. Remember that oh, series of George films? Oh, George Burns and John Denver. Yes. And squeaking in at number 10, Annie Hall. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So try to figure that out. Yeah. Smokey and the Bandit is number two. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite an eclectic year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't think too many Southerners were lining up to watch Annie Hall. I don't think so. Doesn't that man realize he's too neurotic for a, for a healthy relationship? You mean that move about that little Jew? Yeah, but he's funny. Yeah. He has a duck joke at the end. Yeah, whatever. Oh, chicken joke. Chicken joke. You know, you know that joke you know, about eggs. Chickens ain't nothing. Any to, joke about eggs got me laughing for days. Let me tell you something. Chickens ain't nothing to joke about now. And I'll tell you what. I like me, Tony Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> There's an actor in there. I don't know what the feller's name is, but he's crazy and wants to drive into traffic. <laughs> he's going to go places. You really think an actor like that got a future in Hollywood? Sure I do. So weird and kind of one note, always doing the same thing in pretty much every film. Of course. He's eclectic. People like listening to him. I don't think he's ever going to become, you know, a very widely respected and loved member of the Hollywood elite. What the fuck do you know you don't like? <laughs> The French New Wave. I'm surprised we're even friends. Oh, don't get me started on that pretentious nonsense. It ain't pretense, it's truth. Just tell me a story, for God's sake. Make up your mind if you want to be a comedy or a tragedy. Only you would deal in blacks and whites. God damn it. <laughs> What's this here? Smokey and the Bandit. I sure hope they ain't pandering to our, co- our culture. They had better not be. I will not be condescended to. Anyway. We finally did it. We finally inverted the trope, Steve. We finally inverted it. See? <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> see, because they sound like hicks, but they're actually cultured cinephiles. Um, yeah, and <laughs> it's a likable movie, right? And what we've been, I mean, and obviously, as I hope comes across to people listening, like, it's a ton of fun to talk about. Um, it's a great movie to sort of go back over and 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 reminisce over and, and describe what happens it because there's a, a when when it when it hits and when it works like it 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 really works. Jackie Gleason does some fantastic stuff as we said most of his memorable moments are improvised. That I believe that scene between him and Bert in in the the truck stop where he's you know gulping down that Diablo sandwich was Jackie Gleason's idea. He said we should yeah. we should do this scene. And a lot of stuff in the movie is Jackie Gleason's idea or, or based on one of his suggestions. And, and a lot or of it, Bert's idea or whoever's. In the yeah, yeah, they were just time. they were just throwing stuff out there and they and they said, uh, yeah, let's 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 just do this. And if it works, it works. Um, and a lot of that stuff works. A lot of it doesn't work for me. A lot of the humor does fall kind of flat. Um, usually the stuff that involves the car chases. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the little, the, the character moments for the most part work and the jokes that are based on the, you know, like the interaction between Justice and his son, uh, or, uh-huh. you know, that stuff is funny. I love the commitment to him holding on his hat after, because yeah. in every shot where you see them driving after the roof comes off of their car, he is always reaching over and holding onto his hat. They never forget My hat, that. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they never forget that. And I admire that. I admire that level of commitment to that bit mm-hmm. because that's what makes it funny. The fact that not that he does it once, that we see him doing it every single time. 
um, almost to the point where I, I kind of wish that that hadn't have been the last line because that underlines it too much, you know, yeah, but, it, it but it still works. It's fine. Um, you know, well, it was also it's obvious that that was that was uh, added in. Yeah. As he was running after him. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly. Um, you know, uh, there's no tension whatsoever as far as the ticking clock. Of you know, are they going to make it in nope. twenty eight hours? Like it's mentioned maybe once or twice, but you know, when Roger it, Ebert's biggest complaint about the movie. Well, and, and, I, and I, I mean, I, in a sense, I get it. I think it is a legitimate complaint, but you know, I realized something as I, I just as we were talking about it, actually, um, that like after a certain point, if the movie doesn't give a shit, why should I? Yeah, exactly. And and that can cut both ways. That can make you like a movie less. You know, you could if the if if the movie is telling you something is important, but then it but then you can tell through the way the movie is made or the way the story is being told that it's actually not that important to the people who made the movie. Then you can say, well, why the fuck should I care if they don't care? But in this case, it actually works in the movie's favor because you can yeah, you, you can look at things like the lack of tension. Like there, I mean, the the ending is such a foregone conclusion. There's no way mm-hmm. you never believe for a second that Bandit is not going to make it, or that he's going to get nope. caught, or that him and Sally Field aren't going to wind up together. Or what? There's no tension in it at all. But the movie doesn't give a shit about that, and the movie mm-hmm. stops trying to get you to care about it. So after a certain point, you just have to say, you know what? They don't care about it, so I don't care about it either. Um, So I think that that works in its favor. I like the fact that the cops are made to look like hapless jackasses. I'll never, for the most part. I'll never complain about that. Yeah, except for the sheriff, <laughs> except for the sheriff in Arkansas, who is funny because he is like the one competent person. And, <laughs> and again, that's a trope. That's again, that's like that. That's a trope that always works on me. When you have um, one character, he's surrounded by goobers. Yeah, there, he is surrounded by goobers. There's there's one just unaccountably competent person who seems just super good at his job and is completely mm. level headed and reasonable, and everybody around him is is just hapless and. and and worthless and just like a clown and he's the one guy who knows what's going on and t- that's always funny you know like the the the, ex- yeah. the, ex- the exchange that you described when we were just when we were uh, summarizing it where he's on the CB with justice and he's just calmly sort of rebutting justice's suggestions like actually I don't think that'll be necessary <laughs> you know it's like oh he, he's good at his job he knows what he's doing um, I, I I mostly appreciate the 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 conspicuous efforts to show the white heroes being friendly with black folks um not just black folks i was amazed at how progressive this film is compared by a lot of stuff today the truckers are multi-ethnic that's true yeah there there are women there are women truckers <laughs> yeah there but see i have well i i have i have i i mostly appreciate it and i think it was done from a good place and i think it's a good thing to do mm-hmm. in general to cuz you know this 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 movie was was very popular in the south was marketed heavily in the south and i you know it, it it's it's nice to think like oh a bunch of racist white people saw this movie and saw their white you know good old boy heroes being friends with black people and treating them just like other people and not being yeah. not making a big deal about it and you know mm-hmm. maybe that rubbed off on somebody and in um, fact the villain is the yeah Racist. The only racist in the film is the villain, and his racism makes him look like a fool. So you know, mm-hmm. good good on that. Um, I do worry a little bit. This is this is like the 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 worried progressive side of me that uh, is oh, the, here he that comes. is like yeah what, that that worries <laughs> that maybe 
the, the in certain cases it had the opposite effect where it whitewashed the south and it made everything look like oh look everybody gets along and that was definitely not the case in real life what do you want um, but <laughs> i'm just saying look it's how can we make you happy you can't you can't if the movie was in black and white and the dialogue was all in German and and Bandit had died <laughs> and everyone at the was end. awful. Um, no, I mean, for, I'm, I'm complimenting it, but I'm also pointing out that, that there's, there's a flip side of that, that it could possibly have, you know, given a false impression to how things were actually in the South. But I do appreciate the effort made to present sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a picture of racial harmony in the movie. And, uh, and I, I feel like that was intentional because there were, there were scenes like the, the scene at the truck stop after Jerry Reed gets his ass kicked and he's leaving where they, yeah. they make sure like he doesn't just, you know, and the, the proprietor of the truck stop is a black man and he, he not only is friendly with him, but he reaches out and hugs him and they're kind of yeah. cheek to cheek. And I feel like that was something that they said, okay, let's make sure to put that in because we're making a movie that's all about white people and it's going to play huge in the white redneck areas of the <laughs> this country. Is the so 70s. This is not the, this is not now. I'm just saying it feels like it was intentional on somebody Part to you just that. can't accept the um, fact that Jerry Reed would willingly hug oh, a black person. Oh, no, I'm person. not saying it was Jerry. So some fucking suit walked in and said, can we get him to hug? No, and Jerry say- Reed went... Only if I'm wearing a body body glove. (laughs) It might have been Jerry Reed's idea. I'm just saying somebody in the film made sure to include that. Not not necessarily a suit. It could have been Hal Needham. It could have been Bert. It could have been Jerry. It could have been somebody. But I feel like that that wasn't just an accident. Jerry Reed decided to do in this largely improv movie. Well, good for him. You know what? I hope he improv running over the motorcycles too, because that's another thing that got the movie on my good side. Is that (laughs) truck drivers are not exactly my favorite segment of the American population, but I. I, (laughs) But I like them a lot better than I like motorcycle riders. So having Jerry Reed, the truck driver, drive over the motor the, the motorcycles, I was like, all right, cool, we're cool. Um, but uh, but yeah, so there are parts. It's 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 not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. Um, it's I would say easily probably the most fondly remembered of. Burt Reynolds' career. He was a guy who, it's interesting, of all of the stars of his caliber, if you look back at his filmography, it, with a few very, very bright exceptions, um, uh-huh. he, he became hugely popular on the back of a lot of mediocre movies. Like, mediocre... And a couple of good uh, ones. Oh, there were some very good ones in, 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 you know, in there, here and there. But um, mm-hmm. if you look back at the mo- like movies like this, um, that he's n- well known for, they're typically... They're very likable and charming, but not terribly well accomplished in, in other ways. Um, and I think that that's the case for this movie. I, I like this movie. I, I like it because when it works, it works really well. It's smart enough to lean on its performers and lean on their charisma and lean on their creativity. Um, I do think there are too many car chases. I realize that was the point, but it does kind of get old after a while. And the car chase stuff doesn't really work for me. The character-based stuff works more for me. Um, I appreciate whether they were intentional or not. I appreciate the little progressive notes that are in it that are a little surprising. I, I, I appreciate the buffoonish uh, depiction of the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so overall, I think I will, I'm, I will give it a marginally positive review. It's and, 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 and I like it. I will say the, the put that on the poster, uh, a marginally positive review, put that rave on. And I, 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 I like it. I can't, I can't help, but like it. I can't not like it, even though despite the problems with it that I've had. So I will, I will say that I, um, I enjoyed it and it was, it was a pretty good movie, but I, I still qu- don't quite get, 
what it was about people of my parents' generation that said, let's make this a $300 million movie in 1977. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. it became $300 million. Yeah. I, I have a, a pretty good idea as to why that is, it's, and now it's my turn, right? Yeah, go for it. Are, are you done? Yeah, I, so I'm done I'm done ruining people's childhoods. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, <clears throat> oh boy, I like this movie a lot. A lot more than I remember liking it when I was younger. Um, and I'm not going to say it's a great movie. I'm not going to say it's it's an instant classic by any stretch of the imagination. But boy, is this a movie people don't make anymore. Yeah. And what I mean by that is a comedy that allows two characters. Granted, they're sitting in a car going 120 miles an hour. But allows two characters to talk to each other for extended periods of time. Which not only establishes their characters but also believably allows them to fall in love with each other. Right. Because, boy, we've been getting a lot of shorthand with that shit, haven't we? <laughs> Especially in adventure, you know, adventure movies. I think I think Smoking the Bandit is good, and it did kind of set off this kind of mini-genre of films, but unfortunately the mini-genre of films learned the wrong lessons oh, yeah. from this movie. I mean, fuck, this movie even inspired the next goddamn James Bond film. Oh, yeah. Which decided, oh, we're going to put our own sheriff in it, and there's they're going to be riding around in the South, and they're going to have car chases and jumps and stuff. I mean, this movie became massively popular, but I think the later films and the other films that were inspired by this learned the wrong lessons as to why it was popular. I don't think this movie was popular for the stunts. The stunts aren't terribly spectacular, right? Yeah. The car car chase sequences, you know, they don't really... They're not thrilling or anything like that. Usually what it is is he's being chased and some person saves him. You know, someone calls in and, and, and they figure out some kind of clever way to get the cops off his back or whatever. Um, the thing that I think drew a lot of people to it was the chemistry between Sally Field and Burt Reynolds and basically everybody in regards to everybody else, right? We had a clear-cut villain who I never really felt was dangerous, which is a way weird line. I mean, that is... I mean, the thing is, because of the way Jackie Gleason plays this character, it is wholly believable that this nut job would do what he's doing in the film, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. He is a way prideful, super vain, bigoted. Um, he's got a, a very specific way that he, uh, the way he thinks of things. When he when he finds out that the sheriff that he was talking to is black, he turns to his son and says, "What the hell has happened to this country?" <laughs> um, That's awful small minded of you, Daddy. Yeah, shut up. But the other ones later, especially Cannonball Run, just became cartoonish. Yeah, right. Um, and so they took away the wrong lessons, which was, I think people, most people watch this to watch the relationships. It's one of the reasons why there is no ticking clock. Right. Because if you put a ticking clock in there, then it becomes a tension movie, right? Yeah. And less of a character-driven comedy. And that's kind of what it is. So when I watch this film, I'm not expecting high art, but I was surprised at how engaged I was for the hour, for the hour and a half. I was surprised by, because um, I haven't really watched a Burt Reynolds movie in a while, how much I like Burt Reynolds in this movie, despite some of the semi-cringy lines. Um, I What really surprised me was how much I like Sally's field character and how different she was than what I remembered her. Yeah. Because I haven't seen this movie in I don't know how long, 35 years maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I, I appreciate the fact 
that there are people of color, and I'm not as jaded as Steve is, and uh, thinking <laughs> bad motives behind people for doing the things that they do in the No, film. I think it was a good thing. I just think it was intentional. I mean, it's it's a good, it, it's a it's a positive impulse. I'm just saying. I think. Somebody, whereas I don't. Yeah. Whereas I think in the casting choices, sure. But as far as the way the characters interacted with each other and the way they're treated, I think that was partially due to the script and partially due with just the way that Hal Needham decided to make this movie. He didn't. He didn't have to. There didn't need to be. And, and I. I'm, I don't mean this in a, in a negative way. But it, had this been directed by somebody else, there didn't need to be a single person of color anywhere in the movie, including the kamikaze Japanese guy who comes out of nowhere to knock off the, the door to, to Sheriff Buford's car. <laughs> So all in all, what I what I think what I take away from it is is that this film is not offensive necessarily. There's a couple of sexist things in there. Someone says, you know, Sally Field has a nice ass and blah 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 blah. It's 1977, so. <laughs> but um, she's self possessed. You know, there's no claims of ownership between the man and the woman. Right. At any point, they're pretty much evenly matched as far as their involvement with each other goes. He doesn't push. He's not a creepy weirdo. You know, he's not... He's not insistent on uh, them having a sexual relationship, necessarily. And for the most part, the dialogue is very fast-paced and funny, and, and all the characters do a really good job. There's no real massive clunkers in it, necessarily. So, uh, what am I saying? I'm saying it's fun. It's a fun little movie. It's one of the, once again, it's one of those fun little movies that just wash off you the minute you leave the theater and you leave feeling it, you're like you're in a good mood. And those movies are valuable because they don't happen that much anymore. Comedies have gotten weird and violent and gross. And, <laughs> and, and I, maybe I'm starting to sound like a real old man, but you compare this comedy to the string of comedies that we've gotten lately that have especially tried to pair action and comedy and they don't work and I think it's because they, when they do a comedy the characters are too broad for us to be able to identify with or even like and so we're kind of removed from them. How many more man children do we need to see in positions of you know where they never should have reached that how did you become a cop? That kind of thing. <laughs> Is there no screening process? and this movie it never felt jarring like how did this person become this and how did this person become that they just kind of naturally ease themselves into the characters that they are to the point which we accept them and then we can follow their wacky hijinks are the wacky hijinks very repetitive yeah yeah they are it's pretty much the same thing they do a you know handbrake turn and then they speed off down a dirt road and then the cops accidentally blow up or something you know it's just and you're right there there's almost no stakes you're kind of concerned that they're going to get caught when they're surrounded by cops and that's the other thing we're rooting for we're rooting for criminals right right, right. we're rooting for we're rooting for criminals Granted, it's it's kind of a victimless crime. Yeah, they're not doing anything really bad. Well, I mean, yeah. except for all the cops they probably put in the hospital with all the car wrecks. Like but... I said, they're not doing anything really bad. <laughs> Stop. You okay? I'm moving, ain't I? <laughs> That's my other favorite line. 
Um, but I mean, it's it's a fun film. I walked away feeling good about it, and if I have an overall positive feeling about it, and it was influential, even though people picked up the wrong influences, I don't know. That's not the movie's fault. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna say it. Fuck it. It's a classic. Fuck it. And fuck you, Steve, for hating it. I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> You can't just you and your Yankee sensibilities. Hey, actually, can I can I can I comment on that? Because there are yeah, go there, for it. I mean, I I grew up and still live in Western Maryland, which is right on the sort of northern edge of the South, and there is there's a lot in this movie that rings very true. I mean, there, for as cartoonish as some of it is, there is a lot that they yeah. get exactly right. Like, like even stuff like Bandit being famous for something that we never quite find out what it is. Like, there are people <laughs> like that. If you go, like, to county fairs or to carnivals, you know, it's like there's someone sitting there with, like, uh, a banner over his head. And it's like, who is that? Oh, he's blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Well, why is he famous? You, you never, you know, you either know the story or you don't. And if someone tells right. you the story, you still don't get why they're famous. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. So that's that's very true. That's very real. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just giving you a hard time. I know. I did. I get where you're coming yeah. from. You're just one big sensitive nerve. and <laughs> I can't really enjoy anything. <laughs> <laughs> so we both liked yeah, it. Yeah. All right. Everyone who was on the edge of their seats wondering we we're going to hate or like this movie. We're, Calm down. We're going to piss on the grave of Burt Reynolds <laughs> by savaging his most beloved and enduring film. <sighs> All right. Well, now's the time where we not recommend a film. Yeah. Right, Steve? Yeah. So, Steve, yeah. what film are you going to now recommend? Well, as as has been mentioned a few times, Burt had kind of an up-and-down career. <laughs> Um, Just a little bit. Especially after this movie, sadly. This was sort of one of his... And it was certainly his commercial high point. Uh, Did he have another big one with Sharky's Machine? A huge... <laughs> Stroker Ace, boy. No. How about the end? Is that good? Ah, best little whorehouse in Texas. Uh, uh, well, no, that was not a hit for anybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, um... But the movie... So, uh, the movie I'm going to... Rec- it's, it's, see, it, his career went so badly in terms of commercial success uh, after a certain point that it's, it's kind of tough to pick what the bottom was. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick a movie that to me, this is my proposal for the creative and commercial nadir of Burt Reynolds film career. You may have a different opinion. I'm open to suggestions, but for me, if I had to pinpoint what the absolute creative and commercial bottom of Burt Reynolds film career was, it's this movie that I'm going to not recommend, which is a 1993 comedy supposedly called cop and a half <laughs> which i thought you were going to say the time that he appeared nude in playgirl oh no i think most people i think that went over pretty well with most people didn't it <laughs> <laughs> well that wasn't that that was during his golden age though too that was back yeah, back was. in the 70s um yeah yeah it was it so cop and a half is one of those movies that uh, you back when it first came out, when there were still video stores, like you would see posters of it in the video store, or maybe even like a little cardboard standee that the the studio had sent to help promote it. And you you, yeah. you look at it and you're like, who is renting this movie? You know, <laughs> Grandma's. Who, yeah, or who who went to see this movie? Why does this movie exist? It's 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 one of those movies that came out in the wake of Home Alone, where it's like, and now this is the movie where he plays opposite a guy who's been bisected in half, right? <laughs> Yes, exactly. Cop and a half. <laughs> exactly. Together they are a cop and a half. And it's just the lower half with like a hat. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of sad, really, you know. Um, 
because the because the half of the cop is dying and he doesn't realize it. Um, uh, he's slowly okay. bleeding to death out of out of the top part. <clears throat> but um, I just like the idea of a pair of legs just running around with a hat and a you know a gun taped to its hip. <laughs> yeah, that you know, like what's he going to do with the gun? Get him legs. <laughs> hey, go <laughs> chase after that guy. Um, but no, cop and a half. The half, unfortunately, is not the still. Uh, <laughs> Is not the still walking torso of a human being. It's um, <laughs> that would have been such a better movie. No, the the half is a little kid. This is one of those movies oh. that that ha- that came out in the wake of Home Alone, where it was like, hey, adults and kids in comedies together. People love that. So Burt Reynolds right. plays a cop, and his oh, he's not the half, and cop. his co-star is this little kid who he. I was really hoping you were going to say that Burt Reynolds was playing the kid. That was again. That would have been a much better movie. You know, walking around on his knees, talking yeah. like a little and, kid. Yeah, and uh, hey, little, li- hey, little kid, who's the who's the guy you witnessed committing that murder? Oh, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's him over there. Yeah, that's him over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's now, little wascal, don't <laughs> little you wascal. go barging into that drug den? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and a, a little bit of trivia directed by Henry Winkler. Oh golly. yes, that Henry Winkler it might 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 give you a clue as to why he's been a very successful producer, but not so much a successful director. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so it's a terrible movie. It's awful. It's not funny. Burt Reynolds is in it, and I'm sure that it is. It was not one of the films that he was looking back on fondly in his final days, going, "I had a pretty good run." Um, but so, I, if you, especially if you enjoy Smokey and the Bandit, I am not recommending that you ever spend an hour and a half watching Cop and a Half. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> as you guys know, I like taking a movie from the same year as the movie that we just recommended. And I was looking around for another movie like this, but they weren't making them because this kind of kicked off a genre. Yet. Yeah. So I had to pick a movie that I don't like very much that's kind of related. It's got vehicles in it. Ooh. Yeah. And it's, it's also kind of sci-fi. Kind of. <laughs> But it's also got the apocalypse, an apocalypse that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, it's a nuclear apocalypse. You know, the survivable kind. Oh, sure. And, you know, the kind where... (laughs) Not the religious kind. Yeah. The kind where the nukes throw Earth off of its axis, (laughs) which makes the sky turn all green, I guess. Because that's probably what would happen. When some guy's got to drive around in what is basically a super van, and they they meet people, and... That that's really it. Oh, and it has a happy ending because the Earth just fixes itself at the end. <laughs> We're saved. Oh, and they also encounter a, a small town of people where apparently nothing's been happening because the trees are green, all the houses are standing, everyone's happy. The movie that I'm going to tell you guys not to watch because it's boring and I hate it is a little movie starring George Papard and Jan Michael Vincent. Oh, now that is an all-star cast right there. The answer to the question, what's wrong with Hollywood? <laughs> it's Jan Michael Vincent, if you guys don't know who he is, it, I always ask, every time I see him, no matter what he was in, uh, was he an airwolf? Was he, was he an airwolf? <laughs> he seems like he would have been. He, every time I saw him, I'm like, how did this man get work? Ever. Because he can act. Not, not really. I mean, he was handsome conventionally, I suppose. But, I mean, you would have gotten a better performance out of, you know, an animated Ken doll. Um, oh, and also Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. Still hot from the Bad News Bears. 
This movie's got giant scorpions. What I mean is they shot just regular scorpions to look like giant scorpions. Also, swarms of flesh-eating cockroaches. And you guys are probably thinking about this time, but Jason, don't you love all that hokey crap? (laughs) Normally I do. Normally I do. But not this time around. The movie I'm going to tell you guys not to watch is called Damnation Alley. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, it's everything that I just said, but longer and more horrible. It's just... it's. Nothing makes sense. None of the character motivations mean anything. Yes, there might be some explosions every once in a while. But if you just want to watch George Papard kind of wander around the wasteland, <laughs> what, I mean, come on. I know that sounds like a sell, but it isn't. <laughs> watch Damnation Alley. It's got super vans in it. Don't, it. Literally, they're super vans. They can float. They're all-terrain vehicles. And uh, that's that's about it. Have you ever seen Damnation? I, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Why didn't go for you? Why didn't they call it Super Vans? That's a way better title. <laughs> that's a hook. Like people will show up just to see that. Because in order for this movie to be so bad, it's good. You needed to take away a lot of the money, talent, and the the writing needed to become exponentially dumber. It's not dumb enough to be funny. It's boring enough to feel like a waste of time, and that's the problem with the movie. So, don't go see Damnation Alley, guys. And that's it, Steve. Yeah, we're done. We're done. We hung another one up. <laughs> another one down. We made it. Steve hated it, but I liked uh, it. It's just irredeemable <laughs> garbage. Nothing can suppress Steve's unquenchable hatred for the South. I hate it. And this. all things Southern. I... <laughs> <laughs> it's not hatred. It's just very deeply held enmity. That's all. <laughs> Oh, hey, Steve, yeah. we got to do this again. Yeah, we do. And guess what? what? Where am I back, motherfuckers? Oh, That's right. Oh, shit. It's me, and the next time that we do the late seating, it's going to be our Halloween episodes. Isn't that right, Steve? Yeah, it's... Yes, master. It is I October. Say, motherfucker, you put that voice you, on. You get used to I it. I forgot the voice for a moment, sir, please. Our Two Halloween episodes for October where we review spooky movies, isn't that right? And what spooky movie are we going to review next time? You told me this time you let me in on the secret before we... That's right, I was feeling generous. Before we recorded this show. I'm going to kill you soon, that's why I want you to have some joy. Oh, shit. Don't worry, I'll bring you back to life with a creepy experiment. That sounds just like something Painful, you would do. Painful, it should sound bad. It you should sounds be just like something you would do, Master. Yes, well, you know, I'm a slave to my yes, passion. Speaking of reanimated dead, huh? <laughs> oh, uh-huh. yeah, look at you bring it back around yes, to the point. Yes, I am a master of segues. Because right now the audience is like, oh shit, not that motherfucker again. <laughs> we have to listen to two episodes of this in a row. Our first spooky Halloween show will be about the classic horror film, The Mummy. <gasps> oh, the mummy kids, you'll never be scared of something that moves so slow ever. <laughs> if you're terrified of how fast a glacier moves, you'll be spooked out beyond your spook. Organs. <laughs> um, you have those. Shut up. Everybody's got a spook organ. 
<laughs> I wasn't going to argue with you, Master. I was just... By the slow motion terror that is the Mommy, starring Boris Karloff and some other guys. Yes. Enjoy watching Boris Karloff in not his signature role. <laughs> <laughs> And no, we're not talking about the remake which the with the action and the shooting and the romance and the special effects flying we're, at you all. We're over talking the place. about the Tom Cruise one. No, we're not talking that's, about that one either. That's oh, really God. scary. I feel a little sick Ooh. just even thinking Ooh. about it. It was supposed to be the start of an expanded universe. <laughs> <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's right, anyway. kids. The mummy. What a guy with shit all over his face. <laughs> I think he strangles people. I don't know what he does. I know people freak the fuck out when he starts moving. He's super scary. I know that. He's really, he comes out of a, not a coffin. You know, an Egyptian A, a sarcophagus. I don't speak foreign languages. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to get all the jokes, then you'll seek out the mummy. Starring Boris Karloff, not the other two things. The, right? the first one, the Karloff one, yes. Yes. And that's it for late seating. I am going to stop doing the accent, for I have no doubt that you have more than likely turned the podcast off. We want them to listen to the next episode, right? For late seating. This has been Jason Harding. And go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. Do the letters F-O mean anything to you? Um, fun orgy? I guess it could mean that, especially in the 70s. Fried onion rings. Oh boy, I could go for some of those. Well, that's F O R though. Um, uh, yeah. F- funky otters. <laughs> funky otters. Why not? Sure. Fat oboes. <laughs> the sound is a little different. It's not, you know. Well, well don't drive away until I've guessed. Okay, okay, it, okay? keep going. F O. F O. Frank uh, opinions. Yes, like the ones I expressed in this review. That's. <laughs> Exactly. That's what our show is all about. Frank opinions. We need to stop or we're just going to do FO for the rest of it. It's like they did a review and then they did four hours of FO games. <laughs> I'm done. I can't listen to this anymore. Mm-hmm. Filleting octopus. Ah, but what do you fillet? Can you find it or do you just go for one of the tentacles? <laughs> Can you find it? Sounds like a Japanese game show. <laughs> find the octopus dick. <laughs> you are not filleting the right thing. You go in the lava pit. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.